Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. I am so thankful for the last couple of weeks where we have baptized people at church and had a brilliant vacation Bible school with lots of kids. Over 100 kids decided to follow Jesus at VBS, so it has been a beautiful summer. And there are baptisms yet to come. We had a couple of people who were scheduled to be baptized, and they fell ill and said, I need to postpone. So those are coming up, and we're going to have a beach baptism day uh, next weekend, I think it is. So if you want to be baptized at the beach, make sure you check that out. Call us up. Send us an email. Uh, let's get you scheduled. We'll go down to the beach together and have a baptism down there. It's a great season in which to consider what life is all about, what life is for. And if you're, uh, if you're in it to win it, if you're in it with all your heart, it's a good time to say, hey, I, I have put faith on the back burner. I have kept Jesus kind of at a distance. And now's the time to make a deep commitment to him, to renew a commitment to him, and to live life on his terms. And so if you haven't done that before, now's the time. And it's a great season in which to do that because it's just, it's just in the air uh, here at Real Life Church, uh, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, we're going to continue in our series of teachings called Encountering God, in which we look at taking God from a, a secondhand connection, something we heard about from somebody else, to a firsthand connection, a God who's up close to us. And today we're going to look at a very important aspect of encountering God, a kind of encountering God that happens in our working life when we decide to hand over our daily activities to him. Uh, and I hope this is a meaningful way for you to grow closer to Jesus as we open our hearts today. Pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you love us and that you want us to encounter you and that in our, in our daily practices of the routine of home and family and school and wherever it is we go, that, that you're there with us, that nowhere we go is out of your sight or out of your care. And I thank you that you can transform those daily activities into, into platforms for your word. Use our lives, our hearts, our work, and our school to bless other people in your name. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, I want to look at a, a biblical text in which Jesus takes the, the work life of one of his disciples and transforms it into a platform for the word of God. Look in the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. Luke was uh, a first century disciple who researched the story of Jesus, found out about Jesus, traveled around with the other apostles, learned the story, and then wrote it down. And in doing so, captured some beautiful stories from Jesus' life for us. This is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is the more common name, but Gennesaret is a city on the northwest corner of the sea. So sometimes it's called the, uh, the Lake of Gennesaret, the lake on the city of Gennesaret. Sometimes it's called the Sea of Galilee. Uh, standing by, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats 
the one belonging to Simon, this is Peter, and asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And this is the shift we're going to look at today, that shift of taking your daily work, your daily activities, your daily calling, and surrendering them to Jesus so that he can use them uh, as his platform. And then as he takes your work and daily activities for you, he will begin to manage your work on his blessings instead of on your efforts. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. This is a quote from the prophet Isaiah. When Isaiah has a vision of standing in the presence of God, Isaiah says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Standing in the presence of God makes Isaiah see that he is a broken and sinful man. And Peter now realizes that Jesus is a miracle worker. And Peter's first response is, get away from me, I'm sinful, I don't deserve to be near you. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Verse 10. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. When Jesus calls them, they obey. Jesus says, push your boat out a little bit from shore. And Peter allows him to use the boat to proclaim his word. Jesus uses Peter's workplace as a platform to make his word known. <clears throat> Jesus then sees that Peter has obeyed him and says, cast your nets over the side and see what happens. And Peter obeys him again. Peter says, look, we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything, but if you say so. And Peter pulls in a huge net of fish. Peter obeys him twice. And obedience is a, is a catalyst for spiritual power. Obeying Jesus is a catalyst for spiritual power. If we want to experience spiritual power, if we want to experience God's blessings in this life, obedience is a pathway. They catch an overwhelming uh, abundance of fish. They get everything they need to live on. The fish are theirs to eat, theirs to sell. The proceeds are what provide for their family. Jesus has provided for their material needs. And then he pulls a switcheroo. And he says, now let's leave the catch behind. Let's leave the fish. Let's leave the nets. Let's leave the boat. Let's leave your profession. And I'm going to replace it with my calling on your life. You've been fishing, but now we're going to fish for people. I'm going to take your, your deep inclinations to go and catch things and to use it for things that are life-changing. And they obey a third time, and they leave their boats and follow him. And 2,000 years later, we still know their names. Two millennia later, we still tell their stories. There were other fishermen at the shore that day, 
who didn't respond, who didn't follow, and we don't know their names. And their stories have been lost to history. Obedience is a catalyst for spiritual power. And God may give us far more than what we ask for. But when he does so, it's to call us to exchange everything we have for his kingdom. He'll bless us materially when we need it. But only so that we get to experience the joy of transferring our pursuit of material blessings to a pursuit of his calling. Well, let me ask you this. How's your boat these days? How's your work? How's your financial situation? Your ability to provide and survive? It's a tumultuous climate out there. The inflation rate hit 9%. The uh, GDP has deflated. They've reported now there have been two quarters of contracting uh, economy, which means uh, we may be in or close to a recession. That's what the, the commentators say. The nature of work in our world has changed. There's a, a professor named David Graeber, G-R-A-E-B-E-R, and he has written about the changing nature of work in the rising generation. He used to be at Yale, and now he, I think, is at the London School of Economics. And he wrote an essay well before the pandemic, the title of which I cannot quote to you because it has a bad word in it. Uh, he, uh, he wrote an essay, and the essay talked about the fact that there are a, a certain percentage of the population, and I think he put it around 40%. Uh, he, there's a huge swath of the population that feels like their jobs could go away where, while their company or their business continues to survive, who, who literally feel that their jobs are worthless or worth close to nothing, but they continue to go to their work and put on a performance because they need the paycheck. He wrote this essay and it went viral. It was translated into 15 languages around the world. It went all over the place. Millions of people read the essay. And so he then transformed it into a book by the same title, which I also can't quote to you because it has a word in the title you can't say in church. I read the book in cafes, hiding the title behind my hand so nobody could see the pastor reading it. But it was a socioeconomic book about the changing nature of work in our world. And he did studies of people who stayed in jobs that they felt like were useless. They felt like the company could literally uh, miss them if they disappeared. In fact, he looked at the story of one man who I believe was in Spain. And the man was called into his work to receive a longevity award. An award for being at the company for a long time. And he didn't show up to receive the reward. And someone began looking into his situation and realized... He had not shown up to work for six years, though he had continued to receive a paycheck all through that time. Now, that one ended in litigation. But there were multiple cases, multiple stories he looked at of people who felt like their jobs were useless or who literally had abandoned their responsibilities at work and continued being paid for what they're doing. There's so much meaninglessness in the work world out there. So many boats that are catching nothing and fishermen who feel useless. How's your boat? What, what's your boat doing? What does it look like in the season that's to come? Because there's a lot of anxiety in our world about economics and work and employment. I saw a meme the other day 
Uh, the, the latest statistics show that the people who have dropped out of the workforce the fastest have been the millennials. A lot of people in their 20s and early 30s have, have dropped out of the workforce with frustration over the feeling of significance of their jobs. And I saw a meme the other day that said, do they want their avocado toast or not? But it's far more complex than that, isn't it? Does it feel like your daily grind is senseless? That maybe it provides for you but it is stealing all of your time. That it gives you a way to survive, but not a way to exist purposefully. Here's what Peter did when he was a fisherman, living day to day by the whims of the sea and what he could pull in. Jesus said, let me use your work as a platform for my word. And Peter obeyed. And then Jesus said, let me bless you with what you need and what you want. And Peter obeyed. And then Jesus said, now walk away from the material blessings and let me show you what real life is all about. And Peter obeyed. And 2,000 years later, we're still telling that story. But I want to make sure we understand the story. Because we can glance over this and say, wasn't it amazing that Jesus did these miracles back then? What does that look like today? How does that transform my boat, my workplace, or my schooling, or my home, or my daily schedule? If you want to catch a great mess of fish, start by asking Jesus to use your boat the way you provide for yourself, the things that you do to go on day to day, ask him to use your boat as his platform. I'll give you some ideas of how that works, of what it looks like. There's some guys who, when an air conditioning unit goes out at our church, come and uh, do some repairs on it for us. Uh, and they have never charged us more than the, the basic minimum of the, of the cost of the parts. And we have told them over and over again, you do great work, we want to pay you. And they've said, no, no, no. Every time we do this, every time we donate services to the church, we get so much work we don't know what to do with ourselves. They use their boat as a platform for Jesus. And Jesus gives them a great catch of fish. There are all kinds of ways we can and should use our boats as a platform for Jesus. I know a, a principal in our church who gets together and prays with members of her staff who she knows are Christians. And she loves and cares for them, and they pray for the school staff together. They pray for the students together. Uh, I've watched people uh, use their, their, uh, their homes and their workplaces uh, as uh, centers of generosity. The Bible says that we should tithe, that we should use our income as a platform to make Jesus' name known. We should give 10% of our income to building the kingdom of heaven on earth. Tithing is 10%. And God says, if you do that, I will give you a great catch of fish. He says this way back in the prophet Malachi before Peter was ever born. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. Your whole nation, he's talking to the nation of Israel, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. 
Bring the offerings into the temple. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Your nets will not be big enough to hold all the fish. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God says, let me use your boat. Let me use the way you provide for yourself. I don't want it all day long. Give me 10%. Let me use your boat and watch what I do in return. And so that's the call to tithe. That's exactly what he did with Peter. Let me use your boat. I will bless you materially beyond what you can hold. And most of us will never take those stories seriously. Most of us will never rest in God's promises. Most of us will never obey God's commands. God says, test and find out. And most of us instead will live by our own efforts to provide for ourselves. We'll depend on ourselves. We'll work hard. We may even thank God along the way. Thank you for giving me a place to work. Thank you for giving me a paycheck. But we will never experience the radical transformation that happens when we entrust our welfare to God, when we begin to tithe, when we use our, our boat as a platform for him. And instead of just getting by, we pull in more fish than we know what to do with. Most of us will never experience that. And it's sad to see that we spend our lives struggling when the promises of God are so plain. When we have examples where they played out in the light of day as with Peter. And we just go on our way ignoring it. If you're not working right now, that's fine. You still have a, a boat that you can use as a platform for Jesus. You still have a, a system of daily routines that you can use to make Jesus' name known. Um, one way that it's happened in my life uh, in recent years, and again, it's, it's coming up this fall, so this is, uh, is up-to-the-minute news on the Miller household. We've taken in international students and hosted them at our house. And uh, during the pandemic, we had uh, two kids who uh, got uh, re released from their boarding school because the boarding school was no longer allowed to house anybody, and they lived in our house for six months. And, uh, and we made good friends with them and their families. Um, well, something interesting happened this last week. Uh, I, was, uh, I was praying, and as I was praying, uh, a woman in our congregation came to mind. And I thought, I don't have anything to, to say to her in particular. And so when somebody comes to mind, I usually just pray for them. Sometimes I'll send them a text, but often I'll just pray for them. And so I, I prayed for her. And then, and then I had this sort of this daydream, this vision of hosting international students at our house again, which we haven't done in a little while. And it just kind of drifted through my mind. I then went and sat down at my computer, not 10 minutes later, one minute later. I went and sat down at my computer and opened up my email, and there was one email that had just been sent a minute before. So I think about this woman from our congregation, I think about hosting international students, and then I get this email, which is from that exact woman, asking us if we would like to sponsor international students because she's taken a job as a representative for a company that helps house international students. I didn't even know she had taken that job. And it happened like that. So, of course, we said yes. The next day they called and said, hey, we've got a student whose who's housing uh, plan has fallen through. Can you take her? She'll be here in a couple weeks. We said absolutely. And I know 
that God has paved the way for that. That's not a string of coincidences. That's God saying, here, here's somebody that I need you to care for. I need you to love. I need you to love this person in Jesus' name. Just provide for them and take care of them. Don't ask for anything in return. You, you know how to fish, but I want to teach you to fish for people. We can use our homes as a platform for making Jesus' love known in the world. And as we do, Jesus says, trust me, I can give you more than you need. And then there's an exchange that's going to be made. We, we trust Jesus. He provides for us. And then he calls us to give. And when he calls us to give, he says, I'm going to take you on your own terms. I know that you need fish. I know that you need an income. I, need you, I know that you need something to survive. I'll take you on all your own terms, and I'll give you more than what you asked for. And then I want you to accept my terms. Once you realize the depth of my generosity to you, take me on my terms. Let's go fish for people. Let's not live meaningless lives and jobs that simply provide us an income. Let's live to change the world in Jesus' name. I have a pastor friend who said that he, uh, he was uh, preaching uh, at his church and uh, an elderly gentleman came in and started attending his church. He hadn't attended before and the, the, the gentleman he noticed would sit midway back and, and in the middle of the sermons, the man would start crying quietly to himself. But every week it happened. The pastor would preach and the man would sit there and he would begin to cry. And my pastor friend said, eventually I went up to him and said, hey, is, is everything okay? I notice the, the services seem to be catching you. And he says, it's, it's just because I sit here and I realize all the years I wasted. What a shame to spend our lives chasing huge catches of fish and realize at the end that we wasted it. That, that we could have gone to God on our terms saying, I, I need more fish and experienced his generosity, but then responded in obedience when he said, now let's leave the fish behind. I've got, got, bigger, I've got bigger fish to fry. I've got bigger plans for you. Go fish for people. Uh, it's the vision that God has for our lives. I remember a season of my life uh, where I would plan uh, the church's future. Uh, I plan the uh, church's future with a passion because that's the pastor's job. And I would stress and worry about it. And I would drive and push for it because the church needed to grow. The church needed to reach people. The church needed to be bigger. And I would spend nights awake reflecting on how I was going to do this. And it was exhausting. It was anxiety-making. And then we started this little church together six years ago. By the way, this is our six-year birthday week. Real life has been around six years. We, we started this church six years ago on very different terms. And God laid the groundwork for it. In the very first week, we said out loud, we're going to need a projector to show lyrics. And somebody texted me that afternoon out of the blue and said, God told me to give you my projector. We at one point prayed, God, we need a building. I wrote down a prayer. We need a building. And the next day we drove up in front of this building, not even knowing it was here. And found out a friend of mine had been a pastor here. And a few months later, we moved in. We prayed that we needed a place to call home. We needed an anchor. And Somebody called us out of the blue and gave us a multi-million dollar building for free. At each stage along the way, we've 
sacrificed and given and provided for others. We do so freely without asking anything in return. And at every turn along the way, God has filled the nets bigger than we know what to do with. And then he tells us, now, let's walk away from the nets. Because the kind of fish I want you to catch are not fish that fill your belly. They're fish that fill the kingdom. Let's go fish for people. And that's a life lived well. You think catching a big net of fish is a rush? You think getting a big paycheck is a rush? You think providing for yourself is a rush? Imagine the rush that you will experience when there is a line of people waiting to get into heaven who say to you, thank you so much for telling me. If you hadn't told me, I wouldn't be here. Thank you so much for using your daily boat as a platform for Jesus. If you hadn't told me, I wouldn't be here. There is not a better sense of purposefulness than that. Use your boat as a platform for Jesus to make his word known. There's a, uh, uh, a promise uh, that Jesus has for us, but you're only going to experience it by uh, putting it into practice. There's a, a kind of experience that we only have if we, if we really make it our homework to do it. And, and so this is the homework for this week. Spend time reflecting on God's generosity for you. Spend time thanking Jesus for his generosity to you. And then ask, Jesus, is there any way I can better use my boat my work, my finances, my daily routines. Is there any way I can better use my boat as a platform for your word? And it may mean opening up your home. It may mean taking people in. If not to live there, it may be offering a Bible study in your home if you've never done it before. It may be using your home as a platform for ministry. It may mean beginning to tithe because you've been putting that off. You can go to reallife.la slash give and start giving today. And if you, if you think I'm doing that as a church fundraiser, you can give to the church down the street, but start tithing. I'm not fishing for anything here. See what I did there? It may mean beginning to use your finances as a platform for Jesus. It may mean beginning to use your workplace as a platform for Jesus, where you begin to prayerfully think about who Jesus is calling you to pray for and invite. Jesus says, test me in this. You're only going to find out how good I am to you when you let me try. When you you stop trying to do work on your own effort and let me bless you instead. In the end, the meaningless, empty jobs that lead to purposeless life and tears are things we need to take to the altar and sacrifice in order to accept the blessings that God really has planned for us. That's your homework this week. Pray for that. And let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you love us and that you call us to live for you. I thank you that you've given us providence, the things that we needed to take care of ourselves, to provide, to find our our way in life. But I, I ask that you'd help us to open our hands and give them back to you, to use our, our work, our school, our home as 
settings for your word. Give us clear visions, creative visions of how better to let our boats be your platform. As we do so, I ask that you provide generously, especially for people who are anxious, especially for people who are afraid they won't have enough. Throw more fish in their boat than the boat can hold. And then call us to something deeper. Call us to walk away from our worries about material things. To live lives of purpose. Fishing for people. And making your name known. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us today. Now will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.